And my grandfather's like, oh, we've been together for over 50 years. We've been married for over 50 years. We have seven children, blah, blah, blah. And at one point, because my grandmother just kept saying all these things, he, uh, the priest said to my grandfather, I don't know how to take Anne. And his reply was, well, father, you either take her or you don't. Oh my God. Why, hello. Hi, how are you? Fantastic, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. Oh my God. Why, hello. Hi, how are you? Fantastic, how are you? Oh, I'm so good. A little nervous, but I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. It's wonderful to be here on your first episode. Yes, this of is Transatlantic Conversations. I'm very excited about that. Can you tell us a little bit about what got you involved with wanting to even get into, you know, performing, which led you to all of those things that you participated in? Yeah, I um I was at the bar and I had people coming up to me. Actually, let me rewind it. Um I was underage and I never had a fake ID, but I was in the bar watching a show with um she was of course it was not my freshman year in high school but she was my uh one of my teachers um we went to the bar we saw a drag show and i walked in and tula was doing a number and then i saw leslie ryan i saw dina rains i saw latina garrett and misty knight and misty knight did this number she closed out the show doing this this number that it, she called it her granny number where she would do if i can't sell it i'm gonna sit down on it and then she did i think a mom's maybe bit in the middle and she ended with etta james baby what you want me to do and i was swaying and having a great time and and the teacher angie she looked at me and she said you're going to be doing this someday and i started laughing i said no no i wouldn't and then when I started getting more involved with the community, then I had people coming up to me going, girl, you need to do drag. I'm like, no, I don't. And then Aisha DeVore came up to me and said, you have the perfect face for drag. You have no male, um, you have no male attributes whatsoever. And I said, well, maybe I have one. And then we laughed and I ended up doing a show that was supposed to be a hot spot at a bar called Up the Street. And one of the entertainers called off. So I did the show. I did three numbers in one costume. And it's been on ever since. So that's a whole, now for young people today, you know, because when we ask how was it back then for you starting out, it's a whole totally different world. There wasn't even any social media. How did, you know, how was that for you starting out in a world that's so different than today? And what kind of advice would you offer for those starting out today? If that makes sense. But, um, two part. Not being, not having social media, I don't think was a hindrance whatsoever. Um, it was before YouTube. So there was no makeup tutorial. There was no any of that. Uh, you did networking like you just went to the bar. That's where you did all your networking. And that was incredible. Um, any kind of advice, however, I could give to anyone just starting is the same advice that I got. Learn, listen, look, pay attention. Because 
for instance, getting ready, getting your makeup done. If you arrive early and watch people as they're doing their makeup, you can learn you know, tips and tricks on what to do. So don't go in thinking that you are the be-all, end-all, best thing ever, because that's something that happens with a lot of people, not even, I'm not saying, you know, the kids today, but a lot of people think when they start, oh, I know everything there is, and you can't tell them anything. Well, guess what, Sister Sue? You can learn a lot. And it can be little tiny tips with makeup and hair, or you can be turned on to something that is a different style altogether that just wows you. So always pay attention. Always pay attention to everything. And don't get yourself wrapped up so much that you lose who you are. That's a, well, that's a, so, you know, I was thinking that, you know, that, that there got me thinking about, you know, the culture and drag and how it's portrayed in the media. And I wanted to get your opinion on, you know, what you thought of mainstream drag being presented to us through like, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race, for example, and how that can, you know, give a image of the community that's not what I've experienced in it firsthand. And so I just want to, you know, cause it kind of ties into the whole, the toxicity within our culture. And so I wanted to get your feel of, of kind of that area of, of our community, if that any make, if any of that makes sense. Well, first and foremost, being a bitchy gay is not a personality trait by any stretch of the imagination. RuPaul's Drag Race is very much a double-edged sword because yes, it brought drag into the forefront of a lot of homes that otherwise would not pursue it or wouldn't um, be interested. However, on the same side of that, the flip side of the coin, I should say, it's also made everyone, uh, everyone's now a, an expert in drag because they watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And that's their only connection to drag when local drag has people that are much more talented and much better, but they don't get the spotlight because they're not a Ru girl. RuPaul only recently allowed a, a trans contestant, which is ridiculous because transgender people have been a part of drag society and culture since its inception. How do you address that in your community in regards to, you know, people that are beyond the binary and performing, because I know a lot of people have their opinions and it can get real toxic out there. And so how do you, as somebody that's very um, influential in the community, handle things like that when it comes to transgender people performing and hearing other people that may not be as accepting within our own community uh, handle that? <laughs> you like to just layer question over question over question, don't you? Uh, um, maybe. I... <laughs> One of my dearest friends who sadly passed away in 2019 was Leslie Ryan, who was, uh, when I met her, she was transgender. That was before there was even the, the term transgender was around. At the time it was transsexual and, um, or the, you know, people would use the term tranny without it being offensive. And that was just who she was. And, there's always been a big debate about what drag is valid. And if it's fair 
or an illusion by the point that somebody has a lot of augmentation on their body via surgery or hormones or implants to make, um, to make an entertainer. And quite honestly, all forms of drag are valid. Some of it may not be pretty, but it's valid. It's a performance art. And I accept all of that. My favorite kind of drag is when you get somebody who just looks absolutely breathtaking doing a drippy ballad in some fantastic gown or somebody who dances the house down while still looking very put together. But that's my personal aesthetic that I like. I mean, I also like people that do comedy and look a damn fool. So every kind of drag is valid. It's just a lot of people have not been exposed to it or do not understand it. Do I understand every kind of drag? No. Am I learning to appreciate it? Yes. I guess that kind of answered a little bit. My next question would have been, what, to, what does drag mean for you? Drag for me is when you have a persona that is so large that nothing can contain it. The personality is viewable from one end of the stage to the other. Mm. or from the front door of the bar to the back door where they take out the trash. I love that. Drag one. fills the room. Um, if you look at Patti LaBelle, she calls all the stuff she wears on stage drag. Makes you feel beautiful when you put it on. Or something that, even more importantly, makes you feel empowered when you put it on. Mm. Something that takes your personality and turns it up to 11 that is drag in in your 20 years going on 21 years what is the thing that you are most proud of that you've done for your community well i don't know that i've done a lot for my community per se i don't think that i i think i'm just a loud broad with a microphone but <laughs> i would say i would say my work with the positive resource connection is most certainly up there i'm working with pride and being able to just be around people because there are a lot of people that you don't see when you go into a bar because of their age or um, of their, if, if they're differently abled and they cannot come in or because of their work schedule, they can't make it out to the bar. You get to meet so many other people when you're out and about in, in, a, in a more public setting. And that to me is incredible, just the outreach of it. I'm also very proud of what the brunches have done. I mean, let me pull up. Of course, I have everything in a spreadsheet. But we have collectively raised a lot of money. And the money not only goes to help with AIDS and HIV prevention and education to try to stop the stigma and get people on PrEP. It's also money going to Humane Fort Wayne, which is our uh, former... SPCA, uh, American Heart Association, the Homeless Veterans in Fort Wayne, our Center for Nonviolence that does a lot of work with what they call the L-plus community, um, the Trevor Project to stop suicide, the Resiliency Foundation to stop human trafficking in Indiana, Aaron's House for Grieving Children, for kids that have just lost a parent or a grandparent, we give money to them. Human Rights Campaign. You see their stickers everywhere. 
the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Cancer Services of Northeast Indiana, and our local food bank are all things that we have raised money for in addition to the Positive Resource Connection. And that to me is something to be incredibly proud of just because it's very, it's very diverse. It's very eclectic. It's not just we're here to help the LGBTQ plus community. We're here to help the community. And I highly recommend that anybody that's in the um, Indiana, Fort Wayne area, stop at After Dark at 112 Masterson. East uh, Masterson, yes. Masterson, that's right. Yes. Great place. Um, and tickets for Dallas Drag Brunch can be purchased at dragbrunch.square, like the shape, dot site, S-I-T-E. And that will show you all the dates and you can buy tickets and you can message me through that. It's all available on our website. Let me give you a story that may help. Um, I take a lot of who I am and a lot of my attributes as being from my grandmother, my maternal grandmother. She, um, she had a priest visit and this was right before my grandfather passed away. And the priest, uh, she thought it was gonna be a whole bunch of people. My grandfather was having a horrible day. And so she thought, oh, now I have to let all these people in and make them all coffee. And she just didn't have the energy for it. And so she flung open the door to tell them to go away. And there was the priest standing there by himself. And she said, oh, it's just you. And he took that as, oh, you're insignificant. But what she meant is, oh, it's you're by yourself. So she let him in and she was, he was sitting with my grandfather and uh, he said, well, Steve, how long have you and Ann been together? And before my grandfather could answer, <coughs> my grandmother said, oh, father, we're just shacked up. And my grandfather's like, oh, we've been together for over 50 years. We've been married for over 50 years. We have seven children, blah, blah, blah. And at one point, because my grandmother just kept saying all these things, he, uh, the priest said to my grandfather, I don't know how to take Anne. And his reply was, well, father, you either take her or you don't. Mm -hmm. And she was an incredibly strong woman. I miss her every moment of every day. But... I think that that channeled through to me that to, to have power and to speak to power and truth to power, you have to know who you are. And if people don't like it or can't take it, so what? We worry so much in this society about being everybody accepting us and everybody loving us and everybody, everybody just being copacetic. And sometimes there's no room for that. Sometimes you got to stand up. And even if it's you know, something ridiculous, like just telling a, a joke that's a little bit off, it's th that's where I find myself. I, I found myself in when I stopped trying to please others. And I decided to do what was not only right for me, but what I felt was right for others. That is where I found empowerment. And you decide that you're gonna live your life for you because regardless of what people say and what you see in the movies and on television, when you die, you are the only one who is dying. You're the only one who's gone through this entire life and you are going to die alone. Regardless of if there's somebody else in the room, you're dying alone. So you might as well live this life and also be empowered to, to make it a great life.
So I don't care that people see me and they're like, oh, fat or loud or whatever. I'm me. You either, you either get me or you don't. And empowerment is something that you find at the core of who you are. Now, you shouldn't say things that you know will offend people. You shouldn't do things to get, to get shock value out of it. However, you also shouldn't be pushed around, be a doormat, and live your life for other people. But uh, I read a study this past week that said that 52% of transgender non-binary people have attempted suicide in the last year, have attempted suicide in the last year, and within the entire uh, LGBTQI plus community, um, it's been 42% among all of uh, us mm -hmm. in our community that identify as such that have attempted that. And I just, I want to get your perspective on that and what you think and, and what's leading to that maybe and, and how we can maybe go forward well, with that. I mean, studies have shown that if you use somebody's, if you don't use somebody's dead name or pronoun and use the one that they prefer, then that goes completely down. Like that's that's the, the first step is uh -huh. to honor and respect people's pronouns and the name that they choose to go by. But when you see people take with uh, Amy that just lost Jeopardy the other night, um, she was going for so long, you know, the, they build her as <clears throat> the longest winning streak by a woman on Jeopardy. And of course, people come out saying, well, that's a him, that's he. And I'm, that just boils my blood to hear that simply because there could be a kid watching. There could be a kid reading the comments. And if, if it's not a child who is trans or non-binary hearing this, then they're going to hear it from their classmates because they learned that at home. And that's what's, that's what's been, I, I think, the, the most detrimental part of, of the, the suicide rate for non-binary and trans people because they're not getting respected on, on the most basic level. So how do you have that conversation with people like that and, and try to get them to be more open and understanding to what it is we're dealing with. How do you do that? How do you have those conversations? I think that there are some people that you just can't talk to because their politics have aligned in such a way or they just don't care. There are some people that think that shock value is so fantastic and shock value can be fun. But as I said earlier, there's a line there. And there are some people that are just going to stick to that because of what their religion has taught them or what they feel their religion has taught them or what their politics has taught them. They, it's not that a lot of people don't know better. They just don't care that much about their fellow person. Yet on Sunday, they'll talk about how, you know, they love Jesus so much, even though if you look at you know what's been written jesus was a very very liberal long-haired man that would run people out of the temple with a whip and turn over tables in regards to that do you do you still 
Well, there's that quote from Michelle that says, when they go low, we go high. Do you still stand by doing that, you know, within, you know, just by, I mean, you know. I'm more of a, I'm, I'm more of a you know, when they go low, we get high is more where I'm coming from. <laughs> um, there is a time to be nice and, you know, play, play nicely with everyone in the sandbox. But everybody has a breaking point. And I think a lot of the people that are so willingly ignorant and happily ignorant, they've reached they've reached the, the end of their tether. I think there has to be a point where we we push back and say, you know what, you're being we should be able to to say when it's when it's appropriate, you know what, go fuck yourself. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's a good people lose their shit over um, over an Eminem not being sexy anymore. Minnie Mouse being put into a pantsuit for an event. They choose such anger and they also put themselves in all these hypothetical situations that are all so dumb. And I, for one, am sick and tired of seeing all of this made up anger about things that do not matter. We have, we have kids killing themselves. We have people killing themselves. Yet pe- that there are people that will willingly go out of their way to be an asshole towards them. And I don't think that's right. And I think that you're going to see a lot more of pushback. And I don't know thoroughly how that pushback is going to happen, but it's not going to be pretty. I mean, we have to remember Stonewall, people were pushed, picked up that brick. And this is something that I've learned in in my time. I used to get upset about everything, any slight, any nuance, I would blow up. And I learned that you have to pick your battles. Not necessarily the battles you know you're going to win, but the battles that are important. If you waste all of your energy getting angry every time some little thing occurs, when something that egregious happens, you're just the one, you're crying wolf. So it's not only about picking your battles just because they're easy. It's picking the battles that will actually get you somewhere. It's difficult to make any kind of change when, when you feel like you are, when you're disenfranchised. It is difficult to, to rally people together because like in Indiana, oh, well, it's Indiana. So it's just going to happen, whatever. That's, that's just Indiana. That is the wrong mindset. Pop the bubble. Rattle your change. Let them know you're here. You know, it's very important that that those of us, you know, that, that are under the rainbow umbrella, um, as, as Dave Chappelle would say, the alphabet people, <laughs> I feel it's very important that we don't have such a big division where I will see gay men going, oh, God, there's women in the bar. I'm sorry, this is not the He-Man Woman Haters Club. You can still find dick here. Exactly. Those women feel safe there because they know that... Right. And you know what? The, the lesbians will go, oh, God, here come the gay men. Here come the sissies. Whatever. 
I like to think that we should have more people that embrace every color of the rainbow, absolutely every color of it. And you can make steps to try to, to do that. You just have to make sure that you have the right mindset that you're not doing this for the sake of doing it, but you're doing this so you get to know other people's outlooks, other people's experiences, and get to understand people so you can eradicate the stigma that you had against them. I'm putting myself in the mindset of when I was 15 and I'm, and I'm thinking of this conversation and I'm saying, okay, be strong in who you are, take it or leave it. I got to know who I am. I hear all these voices in the world, especially now in 2022 with all these social medias and all these voices, these young kids. Well, the thing with social media is everybody wants to be an influencer. Everybody wants to, to get the TikTok that goes viral. Everybody wants the post that is shared millions of times. And the majority of people are never going to have that. They're never going to get that. And I think that that social media, double-edged sword. Yes, it connects a lot of people, but sadly, there are a lot of assholes out there and, and they tend to use the most oxygen and suck the most oxygen out of the room. I think that the, the main message to, to a kid um, or a teenager is that those that use up all the oxygen in the room those that bang their drum the loudest, they're not always right. And they don't always speak for, for everyone. So get your own microphone. What do, you, uh, what do you have to achieve with your platform in the, in the next five to 10 years? I want to try to eradicate both the stigma and the spread of HIV. I would love to also eradicate hunger because I don't understand why there are so many starving people in the world if I'm not starving. And I want to, for there to be more understanding between people. Acknowledge your differences, but don't let those differences separate you. When you know, we're, li- we're listening here and all of this information that we've just gotten, you know, we take time to process that and really absorb it and, and let our hearts feel this, this conversation that's happened. And what do I do now? I got all the information up here. How do I go out in there into the world and manifest my dreams and goals and intentions? I think, I think that the, the small steps can be when somebody talks to you, don't look at your phone. Make a connection. Your phone's always going to be there. That comment can wait for 45 seconds. You don't have to respond immediately to that text. Make an interpersonal connection and try to do that as often as possible. And you will be very surprised on what you learn, who you meet, what their experiences are, and most importantly, how that makes you feel. I will talk to you later. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. So I talk about Betty White and how people are so upset that she 
you know, died at 99 and didn't make it to 100 when in all reality, Paul Walker made it to 100 before she did. Oh.